0: Happy Bisexual Visibility Day and welcome to episode 9 of the Avatar Hour podcast, the show where we discuss all things Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. I'm Andre. And I'm Kayla. And this week we are discussing the various villains that pop up in the Avatar The Last Airbender series and our general thoughts on their overall character traits and whether they are effective antagonists. Before we start, we wanted to let you, the listener, know that we will be discussing full spoilers for both Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra, but you are free from spoilers regarding any Avatar Universe comic books and also The Rise of Kiyoshi and Shadow of Kiyoshi prequel novels. We have a very special episode for you guys this week because we are joined by our very first guest on the Avatar Hour podcast, Savannah Thomas. How's it going, Savannah?
1: It's going pretty well. Thanks for having me, you guys.
0: Of course. We were discussing about bringing a guest on, and you were like my first um, pick oh my because gosh, I'm you honored. you have a really um, great great sensibilities with creative storytelling, and I thought it's it's a no brainer we have to get Savannah on. Yes. Um, but tell us about your relationship a little bit with Avatar: The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra because I know it's a little different than most.
1: Yeah, so um, it's it's really funny because I a lot of people I know have relationships with um, Avatar and Korra from their childhood, and I don't have that. I'm coming into this podcast with a very fresh um, look on Avatar and on Korra because I watched both series in quarantine, so mm. I'm, I'm coming to it not only as an adult, but as someone who just uh, graduated um in English and women's and gender studies. So coming from a discipline that's like really focused on power structures and race and gender and things like that, it gave me such a different outlook on, um, avatar and Cora than I think, I think I would have had if I watched it when I was younger. So, um, mm-hmm. I'm just really excited that I can bring that to the podcast and talk to you guys about it. So thank you. Yeah, totally.
0: That's really interesting because we've now covered the, the spectrum of viewing experiences because i watched it as a kid kayla watched it as a teenager and you watched it as a young adult so we've got a lot of perspectives going on here i think that's really cool yeah awesome awesome. well we're so excited to have you and so excited to get into our discussion but before we do kayla do you want to uh talk about the news real quick
2: uh the news is that there's no news uh but we do however want to celebrate because we just passed a thousand plays last week and that is amazing y'all are amazing thank you for listening thank you for sharing and liking and all of that stuff we really do appreciate it and we absolutely love the engagement we've got for this episode which we're about to segue into
1: um
2: So, yeah, like we said at the beginning of the show, uh, we're going to be talking about all these different uh, avatar villains, uh, you know, big and small. And we'll be talking about what stuck with us uh, with their personality, uh, whether they think that they were effective villains and how we think they made the show more interesting.
0: Yes. So over the past two weeks, we've had you guys fill out a fan survey to get, you know, get the listeners involved And first of all, we had 24 responses, which is a lot more than I was anticipating. So thank you guys very much for participating in that. It's awesome that we're able to get a lot of different opinions on this. Um, If you've taken the survey, you already know that we're kind of grading or scoring these characters on a scale of one to five based on three different criteria, which are number one, redeemability, number two, douchiness, and number three, overall effectiveness as an antagonist or villain. I've averaged all of these scores from the survey from you guys, and I'll be reading off the stats after we discuss each character, so that should be interesting. Um, Also interesting is that Kayla and Savannah actually don't know those averages because I have not put them in the doc because I want to keep it, you know, keep it spontaneous and sexy. Surprise. (laughs) Um, And everyone we talk about moving forward all fall somewhere on the spectrum between antagonist and villain, good or evil. Not everyone on this list is 100% evil, but we are trying to keep the shades of gray in mind as well. This is by no means like a comprehensive list, but we've handpicked characters that we have some thoughts and feelings on and we thought would make good discussion for the podcast. And we're going to start with the smaller villains and slowly work our way towards the big bads of the show. So Kayla, do you want to start us off with our first villain?
2: Yes. So our first uh, ookie spooky villain we got on the list today is Ko, the face stealer. Uh, spooky? Oops, spooky uh he is probably like one of the most nightmare inducing characters on this list i think that my, you know everyone in this room right now can agree with me on it right absolutely yes
0: like it's she, seared into my mind
2: oh my you God. can't forget him but like he's like you know i like i said in the show notes he's like the weeping angels of the avatar universe you know like the weeping angels you can't blink uh oh but God. with him you can't make a facial expression so you know like it's like that but except uh but it's almost it's almost just it's almost just as hard to like not blink as it is to just not make a facial expression for long periods of time especially when said monster is trying to scare you
1: yes you know i would get my face snatched in
0: a millisecond
1: (laughs) when i tell you that um i have never felt that childhood fear in my adulthood as I did when I saw Co. the face stealer. It was incredible. I watched Doctor Who as a teenager and the Weeping Angels were by far the scariest thing to to grace television to me. And then Co happened and I was like, excuse me, why do I feel like a, a 12-year-old in a haunted house right now? Like it's terrible. For real? Yeah,
2: For exactly.
0: real. And I'm a, I'm a connoisseur of horror movies, but nothing scares me more than this bitch right here. I, it's just absolutely terrifying.
2: This makes my skin crawl. Definitely.
0: Uh-huh. But, like, talking about him in, like, in a strictly antagonist sort of way, like, he only really is in that one episode near the end of season one, and I mean, I put in here, I think out, he's an <laughs> Yeah, he really sticks out. I put in here that he's an antagonist in the sense that he's kind of in Aang's way, but it's more like because he's a spirit he's more like a force of nature rather than something that lives in the binary of good or evil or anything in between like what do you guys think about that
2: i have to agree i I kind of wrote in my notes that he's not really like pure evil but let's be honest his morals are kind of questionable
1: (laughs) (laughs) i have dude steals faces Oh my gosh, that's terrifying. Um, yeah, but I I didn't really think about it that way, but I absolutely agree now that you brought it up because like it's not like Aang could have changed anything. Like mm-hmm. Ang knew what he was getting himself into, and he had to face it in order to you know get past it and achieve his goal. So it's it's not like there were any morals in play there. It was just or any any really like, scene morals, I guess you could say. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was just kind of an obstacle he had to get past.
0: True, true, yeah.
1: An interesting fact about uh, Ko, which
2: I got from the Avatar wiki, so cool facts. Uh, The word Ko is similar to the Japanese word for face, Um, and when we see Ko's face, it takes the forms of, I believe it's pronounced right, No masks, uh, spelled N-O-H, uh, so in Japanese theater they were used to depict facial expressions. So, research and, you know, interesting. That's comics. really cool. I, ha- I didn't
0: I didn't read that before we started recording. That's actually really cool. So if ko means face is ko just face the face dealer.
2: Yep. Okay. Booty work. big boat face.
1: <laughs> wow. Face section.
0: I mean, and you wrote you wrote here Savannah that you got like spirited away vibes from I Co. did.
1: I did. I got a mixture of um the I think it's the river spirit. I I you Ooh. know the one that eats all the food. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's been mm-hmm. a long time since I watched it. And then also the terror that I got from uh the the old lady with the with the mole on her forehead. Yes. Well, I don't know why I can't remember her name, but the mixture of those two things is Co, the face dealer in my brain. <laughs> so
0: Yeah, totally, totally. Oh, my gosh. Well, let's get into some stats for Ko. So uh, for redeemability, we have a (laughs) 1.96. So not very redeemable in most people's eyes. Mm. On douchiness, we have a 2.54. So not that that douchey. And effectiveness, this was surprising, 3.63. I definitely would have scored him a little higher i definitely put
2: five down when
1: i I, when i was doing the survey myself but i also put five
2: i mean dudes i mean like Kof straight up like went after uh one of the avatars like you know you know his wife they went after he straight up went after his wife wasn't just like you know trespassers in the spirit world was steal your face type thing like no he actually like actively went after that person so
0: also imagine the universe being like this spirit, which you're supposed to be spiritually connected to is going to ruin your life. And you're the avatar. Like that's a big middle finger from the universe.
2: Oh my gosh. <laughs> all right. On to our next antagonist slash villain. We have Hama from the puppet master episode in season mm-hmm. three. Um, She does have a tragic backstory as we all know, Um, but she kind of like used her trauma and uh, you know, her way to survive the Fire Nation prison and now inflicts that pain on innocent people who don't really need that. Uh, However, I will say one of like the most, I mean, everyone has like a shot from the show that sticks in their mind is like, you know, whether it's like from a scene from like Code the Face Stealer or like, uh, you know, when, I don't know, when like Zuko stands up to Ozai, that kind of thing. Like some people have just have certain Mm -hmm. shots that are probably like seared into their noggin. Mm-hmm. mine is like this like the part in the puppet master when like she's controlling like I think she's controlling Aang and Sokka and like mm-hmm. you know what shot I'm talking about right? I know exactly like, is what i like, are
0: talking about yeah
2: y'all know what I'm talking about like Absolutely. that shot mm, I don't need to talk <laughs> My, about that kind of thing but it's mine just like
0: for, mine for Hama is almost directly after that where Katara like blocks the water and it kind of goes everywhere and then it cuts to Hama being like fuck <laughs> like <laughs> That's what's seared in my noggin. Um, yeah, Hama is a profoundly important character for Katara's development as a character. And I also noticed that they're kind of foils of each other in the fact that they both had trauma inflicted on them by the Fire Nation, but they decided to process that trauma in very different ways. So I thought that was interesting. But it, it like, I don't think there was a single episode that pushed Katara's morals in that way except for the southern raiders but that the the bloodbending episode needed to happen first for the southern raiders episode to work and i think that's really interesting it it really is a big episode for katara
2: that's what makes it so bone chilling though like when you see her do it when you see her use it even though she like you know you see her at the end of the episode now with like burdened with knowledge she never really wanted to have Mm -hmm. like after mm, i'm -hmm. going all day about that
0: (laughs) And I think I think Katara and and Hama, especially in the Southern Raiders episode, are like kind of like cosmically linked in that way. Because you notice when in that episode, Katara does not hesitate to use bloodbending. It's not a it's especially when she thinks it's the man that killed her mom. Like she doesn't hesitate in any sort of way. So I don't know. It's it's really it's really profound. Also, I know we've harped on this on the show before, but the sound of bloodbending is terrible i hate it
1: terrible i I absolutely hate it no
0: i i sometimes like go down rabbit holes of like what that would like feel like like it is obviously very painful it looks like
1: yes (laughs) yeah yeah oh oh my gosh all i can imagine is that it feels like when you get an iv except like everywhere that's terrible Mm. However, I will say that you brought up an interesting point about how Katara, uh, started using bloodbending whenever she was like in the state of rage. And so that makes me wonder like how much rage is Hama harboring to be able to like do this power so seamlessly. And then, Mm -hmm. um, how much how much rage and anger does it take to justify that against innocent people? So this abusive power that uh she's taking on other people that aren't even like the Fire Nation. Um yeah. it's, it's wild to think about that she just kind of adapted this power and then is just using it like everywhere. So she I, I can't imagine like the the kind of things that are going on inside her brain.
0: <laughs> but also like, is it are we meant to believe? I don't I don't get the sense that Hama like invented bloodbending. I think it's been done before. That's just oh the sense gosh. that I get for it's the first time that we see it because it's the first time we see it in the show. But I definitely think that bloodbending is far more obvious to me than like something like metal bending. Right. Like a lot of people wouldn't think to try to bend that. But I mean it's gotta have already been tried before. Maybe someone in the Kyoshi novels has done it, oh but.
1: Gosh. I, I, My standout is her eyes when she's doing it. That's what's in my brain. Yeah. Is her eyes. And the peoples
0: are like really, really tiny. Yeah. It's like
1: those really scary anime characters when they get in the zone. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. The stats for Hama we have a 2.79 for redeemability, a 3.08 for douchiness. And 4.16 for effectiveness. Remember, that's out of uh, 1 to 5. So I would agree with that. I would agree with these numbers. Although redeemability, I don't... I think she's just a victim of circumstance in some cases, but she she just took it a step too far.
1: Okay, I was going to say, I I agree with you that she's a victim of circumstance. However, I don't think that's an excuse for the pain she caused. So, like, I think that, personally, I would have rated her much lower but uh, I I understand where they're coming from. I just do Mm -hmm. not agree. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I think with like, the key thing with
2: redeemability though is like whether that person will be willing to take steps to, uh, you know, amend things. Mm -hmm. She doesn't seem like the kind of person that would go out of their way to do that. I mean, Hama clearly doesn't seem to be that kind of person. Yeah, definitely not. So. All right, next villain. We got... Sparky Sparky Boom Man, aka Combustion Man.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that name.
2: So uh, we really don't know much about him. We don't even know his name uh, aside of as Sparky Sparky Boom Man. Um, uh, he was hired to do a job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, you know, go after the gang. Uh, we really don't know much about this guy. So you know, I can't really make too many assumptions about him and his character. Mm-hmm. Um, I did read the Avatar Wiki before this, and they said that. He couldn't control his powers when he was young and accidentally blew off his right arm and leg, so they're metal. Um, and he apparently competed in Agni Kai's and took up jobs as a bounty hunter. Um, personally, I just think he needed to do with what he needed to do to survive. Um, and his violent abilities just kind of carried him into his life until it like, killed him.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I would have loved to learn a little, b- little bit more about him. I think I think he, uh, you were right in saying like he was hired to do a job and whatnot, but there is that moment in the episode that he I I think he pretty much yeah he dies where Zuko is trying to call him off but he keeps going after the gang anyway. So it's like I don't think maybe that's not a a um a sign of character. Maybe he's just really wanting to get that check <laughs> by whatever means necessary. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, he's looking for the, the money, the money. He's looking
0: for those yuan's like he he's looking for <laughs> He's oh like, even god. even if the guy who contracted him told him to stop, he's like, no, you told me to do this thing. We signed in blood. Like, I'm gonna do it.
1: I just want to know. I need a spinoff series.
0: Exactly. Where
1: where what? it's it's just business. It's just a Sparky Sparky Boom Boom Man signing contracts. Like that's what I need. Yeah. I need to see him in a suit and glasses, and I need him to be signing <laughs> contracts for Hitman. Right I'm just picturing a third lens for his third eye tattoo.
0: <laughs> oh my god. Like a like sunglasses, but there's like another (laughs) another lens, so so he can see. Oh my god! Why is that actually a look though? I think I think the gaze would be all over him.
1: And then you press a button and it opens up so he can shoot the laser.
2: Yeah. Oh my god. You know what they they should make a spin another series in the Avatar universe, but I want like a futuristic Avatar universe so we can see stuff like that. Like what that are his hobbies?
0: Like what does he enjoy <laughs> doing in his spare time when he's not shooting lasers out of his third eye?
1: Archery, darts, <laughs> all Anything they,
0: involving a target.
1: Anything <laughs> involving a, a target, the store. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's obviously involved store. in his um in his uh <laughs> recreational shopping you know what i'm saying he's
0: got a brand and he's gonna stick to it
1: <laughs> we are not he's sponsored gonna... by target no.
2: a <laughs> target oh, if you'd I like wish. to sponsor a small podcast for a bunch of queer nerds talk about this stuff we'll take your oh money my gosh we'll take amazing money. <laughs> i love target anyway <laughs> i mean like
0: Combustion bending is, is even with Peli and Cora, it's still something we don't know a lot about. Again, the people with, who have read the comics and the novels are probably like, just read it. It probably, it probably gets into it really in depth, but we're just going off of, with what we're is in the there shows. Yet. There's not a whole lot about it, but it's obviously like, I don't think you have the choice to become one, obviously. Like if this man's accidentally blew up his, his arm or leg, I don't think like you go through a process to become a combustion bender. I mean,
2: based on what police said, like she said that like uh like a warlord tried to use her as a child, so, you know.
0: Yeah, and that that tells me like they're also incredibly rare too. Like it's not a very a very common occurrence for that to happen.
2: Yeah, I mean metal bending becomes common in Korra, but combustion bending But here's the thing.
0: I so. don't know if they're born with those like intricate patterns. I'm thinking it's kind of like it's kind of like Aang's tattoos, like where the the tattoos kind of focus the chi more. Oh, so I don't know if I, they I have so actually actually like tattooed those patterns because the patterns are different between Combustion Man and Pali. They're they're a little different. So I don't know if that's something that they can add on as like a like an enhanced like can they like expand their skill tree? Like I think that's that's what they do. That I makes don't know. a lot of sense. Yeah,
1: but it also that also kind of well. I don't know because if that's the case, then is the is the power of combustion chosen or is it innate? You know what I'm saying? Like are it ha-
0: they it has to be innate. Like may I I deadass think they're they're born with just like a hole <laughs> in their third eye and then they're like, We gotta make this pretty so that's, they tattoo the things around it. But it also, it's like to mark them like in society, like this is a dangerous person. Yeah. So maybe even the, t- the tattooing, I'm assuming it's tattooing. Maybe even that is against their will. I don't know. They don't seem like very respected members of society. They they seem very ostracized.
1: No, they're definitely used as a pawn in the, the game to kind of be at other people's wills. You know, yeah. and I think I think that's the mm. whole point. Well, um, Pali is a little bit different because we see a, more of a connection with other characters. But with mm-hmm. uh, Sparky Sparky Boom Boom Man, um, he kind of I don't know. His role as a villain to me wasn't that significant because I saw him as a victim of circumstance because I saw him mm. as someone who is being used as a pawn. And so mm-hmm. to me, he was more of a plot device used sure. to create a sense of urgency rather than um rather than like a morally complicated being. So mm-hmm. to me, I I don't know. I didn't really see him as a villain and I rather saw him as a weapon that was being used. That's good. So
0: that's a that's yeah, that's a that's a good analogy for it. All right. Stats for combustion ma'am combustion ma'am? Combustion man. Combustion man. Slash Sparky Sparky baby Do you man. know the
2: Combustion Man
1: who lives <laughs> in a combustion can? Stop! Stop it! <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Redeemability two point eight seven <laughs> scored a little low in that. Scored wow. a little low. Um, douchiness three point nine six. People don't like this man. <laughs> they really don't. And then his effectiveness two point seven one. I would have to agree. Uh, disagree. I think he's a little more effective. I than. have to
1: also. He definitely. Take him out. He
0: definitely makes the the fighting dynamic very different like he makes he makes every single person who fights against him has to adjust because they've never fought someone like that it's like how people don't really know how to fight airbenders because there haven't been they haven't been around for a hundred years so they don't really know how to fight them so i think he's a little more memorable than that
1: i mean
2: it, it took like a lucky shot with a boomerang to take him yeah.
0: out. Yeah. Yeah. Or Or small pebble.
2: And then it took a it took a metal bending shot. You know, I please. So I I you know what that That's that hard. never sat
0: well with me because I would just think that the sheer force of that laser would just go right through that metal, but I guess not.
1: Yeah, you would think so, but they had to have I some don't... kind of lucky shot, you know, to get the villains out. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I like, want I want an extended home. cut where we just see full mm-hmm. <laughs> full head explosion <laughs> honestly yeah they probably animated it too and then Nick Woodlone was like okay we let uh-uh. you suffocate someone on screen we let you suffocate someone on screen we're just gonna cut away for this one okay guys and we
1: literally took a brother out on a boat and killed him <laughs> so we're going to we stop literally... our, while we're ahead
0: we literally let you guys portray a murder-suicide in a television show for children. <laughs> so we're just going to cut away for that. I imagine the meeting went like this. The Nickelodeon executives watched the episode. They turned to Michael Bryan. They were like, is there any other way that you can kill her? And then they were like, no. And they were like, okay. And then they aired the episode. <laughs>
2: It's just unsatisfying, though. It's just so unsatisfying. You're waiting for the explosion. It doesn't. You hold. don't.
0: Yeah, you don't hear the explosion either. Nickelodeon. We just need like, the Ooh. gore.
2: <laughs> I'm not. Okay. 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 I'm not asking for the brains flying and all that Give stuff. Give me I'm not the extended cut
0: of police decapitation. I just want
2: to have like. No, I just want to like if you cut fine, cut away when you have like the the, the help, like when she has like the metal over her her third eye. Great, that's fine. And then cut away, and like here's doing his thing, and then all of a sudden you hear an explosion, turn around, police. You know that thing. It's just
0: so <laughs> it's so extra.
2: Do you know what I mean? Like if police was,
0: a, I know we're not supposed to be talking about police, but we're here, so we're gonna talk about it. <laughs> if police was like a character that her major her major flaw was like she is her own worst enemy like that's like some poetic justice but she's like kind of barely a character so for them to be like especially when they're fighting on a hill that you can just bump someone off of and have it that no they're like what if she made her own head explode
1: oh my god
0: and then they broke for the day and then the animators went to work like
1: I think that's great. They said, "Amazing idea, let's do it. Let's start the children early with the trauma." They said,
0: "I'm." They said, "I'm going to give the gays everything they want." <laughs> Self-inflicted the explosion decapitation. Mm-hmm. That's a great track name. That's a. Key. All right.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god, I can't believe it. All right, that moving now. on. Okay. okay, enough about Sparky Sparky Boom Man. It's Sparky Sparky Boom Lady, at the rise known as police. Um we got jet next uh he's definitely a lot more unnerving than i remember like he's definitely like not like classically scary for a villain or antagonist rather i don't know it's just kind of like it creeped me out how well one he can go toe-to-toe easily you know pretty easily with you know pretty elite firebenders and you know you see in the beginning of the episode that he's First introduced in, uh, but he's got a very volatile personality. Combine those two aspects about him, and that's like pretty dangerous. In this, yeah,
0: in this way, he's very similar to Hama. But I don't know. Like, it's hard for me to take Jet seriously sometimes. Like, especially when they're embossing. Say, I'm just like.
2: Okay. I have to agree. I'm just talking. Right now, I'm thinking about like, because I just watched Jet's episode like last week. So, like, <laughs> it's still fresh in my mind how he's introduced. Uh-huh. So, I'm still not like, did Jet just die? I'm not there yet, you know, Speaking in the Speaking of another so, like...
0: death, <laughs> we need the extended cut on. <laughs> speaking like, of you know
2: i mean it's kind of scary how like manipulative he is and like how easily and smoothly he justified like murdering innocents for the sake of you know oh yeah getting back at the fire nation like i mean like i said like you like you said before with like hama like using trust of, using trauma to justify harm and murder
1: i'm starting to recognize
0: people. a theme that all this show is is just how people react to trauma
1: oh my gosh you're totally right
0: and the full range of what that means. Some people try to do good, and some people try to do bad.
2: And some people try to do good, but do bad.
0: <laughs> and that's it. That's Avatar Hour. Goodbye, guys.
1: Some people try to do bad, but do good. Zuko. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there good. go.
0: Oh, God. Oh, yeah. We can
1: copy-paste that into the next section. <laughs> uh,
0: oh, God. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, in, in terms of, like... um like effectiveness or memorability he i i consistently forget that he's a character in this show
1: me too i was about to say the same thing i don't think jet is memorable i think that you know it he is similar to hama in the fact that he used his trauma to like hurt other people Mm -hmm. however um and i also think what 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 happened to him sucked. However, I was really rooting for Zuko and Iroh's tea shop. Like, I was like, don't you dare give up their identities because I want to see this business thrive. Like, <laughs> I want to see the tea shop bump in on a Saturday morning with all the nice little clients' hell. Like, I want to see that. I Savannah want is series. on the
0: Jasmine Dragon Yelp website.
1: <laughs> I, want, I want a spinoff series of the Jasmine Dragon specifically. <laughs> Oh yeah. I
2: mean Iroh does canonically invent uh, bubble tea, like the one with like the the yogurt bites and stuff and tea. I'm really bad with what it's called, but you
0: know what yeah, I'm yeah, talking yeah, about, yeah. right? Yeah. I you know, confession, I have not had bubble tea yet.
1: Neither have I. I want well, to luck. try
0: it. I want to try it one day.
1: I've had it once and I never will again.
0: You didn't you didn't like it?
1: No, I, I would like it if they put in those little like you know the little um bursty things that you get at like sweet frog.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Like, I would like it better if it was those because those, like, like pop in your mouth. But, mm-hmm. like, the tapioca pearls, you either don't, like, eat them at all or you have to chew them up or you somehow get it lodged in your throat. <laughs> so, like, I would rather just, like, not do a dangerous That's, act. Okay. That's the oh, thing,
0: though. Tea. It's kind of dangerous, like, because you're, you're, like, you know, slurping and you don't expect, like, full, like, jelly ball to get,
1: what are you talking about <laughs> The Jasmine Dragon brings you bubble tea. See, this is how forgettable Jet
2: is, guys. Because we would rather talk about, like, you know, tea the jet why are we talking <laughs> about Jet? literally introduced <laughs> to a joke by the end of the series oh. they literally make a joke about him Amazing.
1: how did we get here oh my god i'm crying
2: <laughs> because jeff's not that interesting and we have we, we went to the, to the tea instead
1: of jet because we're done talking about jet we would like to talk about T now <laughs>
0: the only last thing that i have to say is that i know we're all feeling some type of way about the live action series I want Jet's death scene to be unreasonably gory. Like, I want him <laughs> to be, like, just thrown against the wall and snap his neck. Oh, my God.
2: He's oh, my he's God. still a kid,
0: man. I feel like, oh, yeah. Dude. Oh, make him, like, 34 or something. <laughs> oh, no. No, because him and guitar, I have to have a thing. All right. Never mind. Digging oh, myself no. in a hole. All Does right.
2: right. Stop, 30, stop. stop.
0: Jet's stats. Stop. Redeemability 4.21, which he kind of did redeem himself. Yeah. Douchiness, 4.46.
1: Absolutely. on a scale of five. I feel like it should have been a six.
0: (laughs) (laughs) On a scale of one to five, he is a six. Mm
1: -hmm. And then effectiveness,
0: I think people agree, 2.63. Like he doesn't, Yeah. yeah, he doesn't really bring that much to the story or the characters really.
2: He fights with hooks.
0: Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> anyway cool well that's not i He had that
2: like i like, like a knockoff mix of like the of like Robin hood and his merry men with the lost boys like yeah yeah that's my exactly.
0: not cute he that, tried that although he i'm much more interested in trans icon smeller bee like i'm
2: <laughs> absolutely i mean yeah we love be a sp- smeller bee spinoff off series <laughs> we stand smeller bee in this podcast okay? we stand
0: yeah okay, okay
2: i think i think i think we've exhausted jet and uh some tea as oh well oh my gosh uh so let's move on to fire lord sozin um all i wrote was uh how many words did i write i wrote five words on the on the dock i just wrote asshole i hope he chokes
1: <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. i mean yeah. he, he, he died so you know there's that i agree <laughs> That's just all i wrote i agree
0: but listen <laughs>
1: Oh my God! Oh no! They no,
0: no, the no, no, animators no. did not have to pop off on that young Sosen though.
2: Go to horny jail right I, now. <laughs> you know what?
0: I'm ready. What's my bail? Like literally. <laughs> why? Why? He was much more attractive <laughs> than Roku when they were younger. Oh my God! Obviously not when he's like you know old and like committing genocide, but I, you know. I'm I'm sticking by I'm sticking by my opinions.
1: You know what? I support you. Thank you. I support Savannah. you. I don't agree. However, I support your position. At
0: uh- least one of us does. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: I'm just the resident lesbian. <laughs> I mean I was about to say, we're we're the gays. We're the gays. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> and um I'm, I'm just I'm just the resident lesbian. I mean, you can't own oh, something you know, sometimes I'm just like people are just like, oh look how cute this guy is. I'm like, that is a person. Mm-hmm. That, Head empty,
0: no opinions. That's a that's a
2: person.
1: <laughs> They're there
0: with hair and um eyes. Maybe and,
1: or, may- or maybe not. Maybe you know, maybe no hair. Their, their choice. Maybe no or eyes. No. Who knows? Maybe no. <laughs>
2: Oh no. See, that's just my opinion with Fire Lord Sosin. I'm just like, it's like uh, you know, on the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Whenever someone says Brad Majors, you have to respond, asshole. So that's how I feel whenever you're Fire Lord Sozin. Asshole. He's Absolutely. kind
0: of like, if Ozai is no, that's giving that's giving Trump too much credit. I was going to say, if Ozai is Trump, then Firelord Lord Sosin would be like Ronald Reagan. Like, that's ah. that's the analogy I make in my mind.
1: Maybe, maybe Ozai is
0: like Bush. I don't know. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, I just wrote a pathetic man with a pathetic life. Like he even said, like he he spent the rest of his days looking like checking to make sure the avatar was actually dead, and he died alone and pathetically. But what I want to know is, did did he have the the self ego to name that comet after himself, or was this some yes. like Sosen acolyte Stan naming that comet because the Firebenders were supercharged while they were under Sosen's regime? Like it had that comet happened. Under Sozin's regime.
1: I would say yes. I feel like it had to be Sozin naming this comet after himself. Like, what kind of man takes this power, tries to, I don't know, overrun the entire world, uh, (laughs) yeah? kill his friendship with his best friend, and then um, searches after the Avatar for the rest of his life? This man obviously wanted some kind of legacy. He obviously wanted something to be remembered by that wasn't just his sad, pathetic life. So he tried to name the comment after himself and um it didn't work because Susan's comet uh sucks. So moving on. <laughs> um I don't know. Susan. I don't really think about Susan that much. Like I, I guess because I moved on to Cora so quickly and also like I've only watched this one time through. Mm-hmm. So Susan's story was just kinda like, oh, he sucks like I just kind of like moved on
0: yeah yeah I think it was interesting like his friendship with Roku was interesting I think I still think the Avatar and the Fire Lord episode is like literally one of the best written episodes of all time Um, but yeah I mean like I I have to agree with you it probably was him like it was probably like some meeting like they were like what should we name this comment and Susan was like what do you mean we're gonna name it after me you're all (laughs) banished get out of here yeah oh
1: my gosh you had an interesting yeah.
0: point here savannah about about sozin really quickly before we move on
1: oh yeah so um sozin definitely shows like a massive corruption of power so mm. obviously like the whole most most of the fire nation does i'm not going to say the whole fire nation because um we're going to talk about that later yeah but um mm-hmm. sozin like had the rules he wanted he had everything and um and he wanted more and that came at the expense of his friendship at the expense of um a lot of lives and um his life was built on destruction and um his legacy remained that way and i guess that's why he wanted a comet named after him so he could have something pretty <laughs> but um i i just think that his his story is just one of someone who who kept reaching for power and yeah. caused a lot of damage because of it
0: yeah yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Which is like, I mean, corruption of power, it's not a huge theme in Avatar or at least in at least in Atla, but I think it's pretty it's pretty subtly underscored with Sozin. Like it is literally the reason that of why the Fire Nation is the way it is when we see it in Atla. Like because before like the the nations seemed to be in in some sort of harmony and balance until he started going into earth kingdom territory and trying to expand the fire nation's reach like that's when like there was full full authoritarian imperialism going on on the fire nation's part on sozin's part um but on the same time I don't really want to know that much about him like I feel like we got the good the highlights of what we needed to know from that episode and I'm good
1: <laughs> yep we learned that he is power hungry and uh he caused a lot of um, destruction and sadness, and the asshole. man is terrible. So,
0: asshole. asshole. Sozin <laughs> stats. Sozin stats. Redeemability 1.5. I would have, <laughs> I'm just realizing now that I should have put a zero instead of one to five because <laughs> I think that would have been lower if I did that. Douchiness 4.17. Effectiveness 3.08. Yep. A little too high for my liking. I just don't find him a very compelling anything.
2: I mean, he did screw up the world. Yeah. Yeah. He did screw up the world for a quite for quite some time, even after uh, The Last Airbender, yeah. you know? Well, I
1: suppose that was very effective then. That
2: was extremely effective, because we don't see Airbenders again until season three of Korra, so... Well, I mean, you know. I don't
0: mean necessarily effective in, like... I mean, yeah. Because I did put in the survey, like, how effective do you think, like, in they were, like, a su- like su- succeeding in their goals? So I guess that's true. But, like, from a storytelling standpoint... If we had the series revolve around Sozin as a villain, I don't think it would be very compelling. No, mm-hmm. I don't know. That makes sense. Yeah. All right, we got uh one more, and then we're gonna take a break.
2: Got Long Feng. He is, you know, the the Dai Li. He's the head of the Dai Li. Am I right?
0: Um, not. I, th- okay. I think he just he just controls the Dai Li. I don't think he's the head of it.
2: Okay. Well, he controls. I don't know what his title. I, he's advisor
0: to the king, because King Kuei was a boy when he got to the throne and and Longfang just kind of like took that influence and that power and basically kept it and and just tried to like keep it from the Earth King but and they and they say as much that he's you know he's just a figurehead um but that that wasn't of course until Azula basically overthrew the entire government in like a matter of like days <laughs> like a 14 year old girl was like able to destabilize one of the strongest nations roast him. in the world and, and also roast him. And
2: literally roast him from his own. From, Read no, him to fucking him.
0: filth. Read him to filth. Like,
2: you know, you beat me in my own game. Don't flatter yourself. You never even know. What <laughs> oh, that, that line. Oh, yeah. Just like <laughs> iconic. Azula's voice. I'm not that great of an Azula impression, so I apologize. It's like almost 10 p.m. I've been up since five, so my Azula is a little lost. The, in- the intention
0: right now. was there and I love it. You Thank better you. work you bitch. You. I love it. All right. No, it was it was you know, long thing, you know, I kind of feel I think he's just like a little more memorable than Jet, but only by this much. Like, do you know what I mean? Like even though he's like pretty much in like half of season 2, I'm still just like, "Oh yeah, he was a thing that happened." I think it was just I because disagree. the the sheer roasting by Azula just like obliterated him from my memory. You say you disagree, Savannah?
1: Yeah, like, I think, of course, Azula is obviously more memorable, but Long Fang stuck out in my mind so much because of... Number one, because of the amount of power that he held over the Dai Li, over mm-hmm. the Judees, by the way. I felt so yeah. bad for them. The pain in their eyes when they saw that, like, the, the gang was dissenting. Yeah. They were like, please don't do this. My life is on the line right now.
0: <laughs> you will stay in your house because my life is on the line. Yeah.
1: Oh, my God. But yeah, I think that it was like, and I'm, I'm going to talk about this a little bit more, but... um it was about the kind of utopian like power structure that was happening. And like the, the way that utopias are so, uh, I don't know, ignorant of the suffering that's happening outside the, the walls. Mm-hmm. And though, though, I mean, this in utopia, the walls. yeah, in the walls as well. Yeah. But like the, the fact that, you know, they were like, no, we're just going to keep this war under wraps and nobody knows. And we're just going to create this perfect little place was it was i don't know it was incredible the amount of manipulation it took to um to make people believe that mm-hmm. and i think that that's why long fang stuck out in my mind is because uh long Feng and the daily worked so hard to harbor this control over this massive group of people it's just insane to me
0: yeah
2: okay See, I'm just gonna sound—I'm gonna sound a little like stupid when I say this. I mean, Savannah, you made an excellent analysis. Thank you for sharing that. That was awesome. And Andre, thank you for your perspective. Mm-hmm. But the reason why Long stands out to me is because the same voice actor that voices him also voices Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob. Mm-hmm. And that—that that information I can never. Unlearn. I am never
0: going to be able to unhear that. I am. It's all I'm going to be thinking now.
2: And now none of our listeners will either. You're welcome. It's like the tape from the ring.
1: The formulae is hidden beneath Lake Laogai. <laughs> oh my fucking god! You know, thank you so much for allowing me to suffer with you. You're
0: welcome. <laughs> I thought you were about to be like, "Thank you so much for having me." I'm gonna leave. Uh...
1: <laughs> I gotta. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna head out. <laughs> Are layers What's to of this
0: joke memes? <laughs> there are so many layers bitch it's a fucking tiramisu i oh love my it god
1: it's a it's a parfait it's, it. <laughs> it's a it's an onion <laughs> onions have layers ogres have layers
0: oh god
2: meme frenzy i love it That went in so many different
0: directions
2: um you
1: know how it goes
0: but yeah that utopian privilege i mean like damn i wonder where else we're seeing that in this day and age
1: maybe maybe the united states maybe (laughs) i might just throw (laughs) that out there you know what i'm saying maybe
0: (laughs) america is the Mm -hmm. fire nation
1: (laughs) maybe uh we should take a good hard look at atla and um readjust uh (laughs) started with the education yeah absolutely
0: avatar was our education system
1: Oh, there I is, mean, there like, is. That is everyone, no coincidence unfortunately... that
0: the way we ended up, our generation, like dead ass. Yeah, I agree. I think. I mean, we're. I think we're gonna do just an entire episode about Bossy Say in general. But I loved the way the show frames it as literally a utopia, and then every every episode is just like, but there's actually a lot of dark shit going on in order to keep it that way, which is it's very interesting all right long fang on redeemability we have 1.54 on douchiness we have a strong 4.71 which is our our highest douchiness rating so far um
2: let me guess Zhao takes the cake on douchiness
0: actually no but there is someone who shares the exact same score i won't tell you which one And then on effectiveness, we have a 3.21. So an averaging of, like, me and Savannah's opinions, (laughs) essentially. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, this is going to literally be a two-hour podcast, but I'm having a great time. We are going to take a quick break for our ad read, and then we will be back to discuss five more villains. Stay tuned. And we're back. We're going to start off this second segment strong with Zhao the Conqueror, or the Grand Douchebag himself. How do we feel about Zhao guys?
1: Asshole. <laughs> um, I feel like Zhao is what Zuko could have ended up being if Zuko didn't have Iroh. When you wrote that, I was like,
0: fuck, she's right. She is definitely. so right.
1: Slay Queen. Like, that's definitely. <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie, Zhao doesn't take up a lot of my uh mental real estate. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I kind of moved along from Zhao, but all I remember is that um, I thought, you know, this guy is definitely what Zuko could have ended up like if he didn't have a positive influence in his life.
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree. I didn't know that mm-hmm. I agreed until you said that, but I definitely agree. Yeah, I think Zhao is like. I mean, we're we've been talking about him a little bit because we're, we're recapping the first couple episodes of season one, and he's in it a lot more than I remember it. Um, mm-hmm. but to me, he is like borderline mustache twirly. Like there is really no <laughs> shade of gray to this man. And I just want to, I just want to sit him down and figure out like what, what, makes what like <laughs> what makes him tick, but also like there had to be a moment in his life where like a girl broke his heart and he never got over it. And oh. then he was <laughs> like, High school. I guess I have to kill the moon To feel some sort of some level of control in my life
1: like oh my god because she didn't text me back
0: like didn't didn't text me back so like my heart's broken i don't go to therapy i internalize this trauma for the rest of my life and never deal with it let me kill the moon spirits
1: sounds like every other white man i know i
0: what caleb (laughs) what did i say i know there's no white people in the show but if there was one (laughs) it's Zhao.
2: it's Zhao. He's like, like I keep, like I keep saying, he's like the guy that peaked at high school and then joined the military to make it feel, you know, to like feel like a part of something. <laughs> Andre's out of his chair. I'm done.
1: I'm Andre's done. out of his chair. I
2: right guess he just, he just dropped the headphones and left the room.
0: Bitch, I fully walked I'm done. out. He oh proposed. My God. He
1: proposed at high school graduation, and she said no. <laughs> Oh my
0: God! are you recording video for the Zoom call too?
1: okay, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna
0: audio. put that on our because so, that, <laughs> that that oh, is man. is something else man
1: that was great You're
0: damn well,
1: I <laughs> can't top that can't beat that no let's get well,
2: there's gotta be like a certain kind of messed up to want to fucking kill the moon. yeah, mm-hmm. I just, don't, you I just know? don't
0: understand like I mean, I do understand, but.
2: I don't I don't know
0: like <laughs> so but like proper. on a villain stamp, on a villain standpoint I think I think he does the best for Zuko I think because you're right that that foil is there Savannah you make a really good point but I think even from their first Agni Kai to um, the very end of season one where he's eaten by a fish man. he's eaten by a fish man and Zuko doesn't fight him <laughs> like well he does fight him but he doesn't want to kill him I think I don't know. There's an interesting dichotomy there, and even in the deserter episode, where he's just hell bent on on capturing the Avatar, and he like destroys his, his entire like fleet because he's an idiot and can't control his anger. I yeah, I definitely, I definitely think that that's a good foil. Damn. Okay, Savannah. Yeah,
1: and I think
2: also, like the embodied. I, oh, sorry.
1: Oh no, I was about to say, and I think in that way too, Azuko can see what what this kind of um, anger leads to. Yeah. So that's another example of how he kind of his and that has his character arc is incredible, obviously. But that's mm-hmm. another example of how it got pushed to being so incredible.
0: Yeah, to the point where you wonder if Zuko would have ended up the way he did if he didn't observe Zhao like that. Like if Zhao right. wasn't a player, if he wasn't like a, a variable, like would Zuko have ended up the way he did with that kind of perspective in mind? That's
2: interesting, right? And I mean, also, he's like the literal embodiment of me. Why will you learn? Attractions have consequences. Yeah. I can't scream that loud, and plus, I don't think I'd want to do that to the poor listeners. So you're gonna deal with my own screechy ass voice.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then he gets to spend a turning in the fog of lost souls, where he, <laughs> where, uh, where he, he deserves, deserves to be. To
1: be. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. He he was a lost soul before he ever made it there. So Work. Good luck to him. He's in his environment. All right. Got eaten by a fish man. Redeemab-
0: <laughs> got eaten by a fish man. Redeemability <laughs> 1.33. Uh-huh. Still too high for my liking. Douchiness, <laughs> 4.63. So almost yes. beat Long Feng, but not quite. I would say Zhao is more douchey than Long Feng.
2: Oh, absolutely. I w- yeah,
0: That's I my opinion. That. And effectiveness 3.46. So a little a little above average. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree with that. Alright. Moving on, May and Ty Lee. I was thinking about separating them, but the way they function in this in the show, they are kind of like together for most of it. So I think it's, we're, we're still going to talk about them a little separately, but we can talk about them both for the same point. Two pretty powerful non-benders, which is not uncommon for the show. It, ha- it has really good representation on both powerful benders and powerful non-benders. And I think it's interesting that Azula would pick them over just, like, any other firebenders.
2: I mean, I think it goes to show exactly, like, how powerful and impactful they are if Azula, you know, coming manipulator, wants mm. them on her team. For mm-hmm. and- mm-hmm. sure. I
1: think that their personalities really shown through, and I think that they're um, a lot like Sokka in the sense that they really used their, their personality and their wit to kind of win over everyone they were with. But, I mean, Sokka, even though, and we're not talking about Sokka, but... Even though like Sokka wasn't a bender, he still learned all of the the fighting styles of each nation. So May May and Ty Lee um not necessarily learned the well, I guess they did. They learned the fighting styles of the Fire Nation. But May used her melancholic, I'm gonna say charm. Because it was charming, in my opinion, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then Ty Lee used her energy and her like acrobatic skill, and she was able to to block their chi right, so like it, yeah, she was that's just crazy to me, so she used her body and her her gymnastics and her athletic ability, um and may kind of used her intimidation nice. factor. <laughs> also knives yeah knives and knives i forgot about that yeah the knives
0: and they're both i mean the hallmark of any good antagonist in the show is again they are game changers for fight scenes they are they Mm -hmm. add a very memorable quality to fight scenes and that's why i think the fight scenes in both avatar and Korra work so well is because they have so many different styles but it all exists perfectly in the same world together I right. think that's really interesting. I, I have a kind of an unpopular opinion. I am not the biggest fan of Mei and Zuko as a relationship. I'm not a Zutara shipper either, but I just, there is a little don't bit. Go down that route There is, the is a little Andre, bit of, do it. of, the reason I have a problem with it is that there's a little bit of tonal dissonance in where we see most of that relationship because uh after, like the first half of season three, Zuko is back in the Fire Nation and he's realizing everything's not cracked up to be And his him and May's relationship, I think they were trying to make that point, but they actually kind of work together. So it's not that I don't like the relationship because I don't think they work. It's that they work too well for the message that the writing was trying to get across is that not even even though Zuko is back in the Friday nation, which is what he thinks is all that he wanted. Nothing is working out. But and even though they didn't end on the best of terms, it's still there was like. There was enough chemistry with those characters that it could have worked if the writing wasn't intended to show you that nothing is working out for him in his favor.
2: Am
1: I making any right. sense?
0: Like
2: does that Yes, it's
1: just two emo kids being emo together. Yeah. Like that's what it that, is. That
2: warms that warms my cold dead heart a little bit seeing them be miserable together. Like especially when Zero says I love the way you hate the world or something like that. Like I don't know, that's sweet.
0: I'm just like, okay, <laughs> calm down. Like
2: <laughs> okay tumblr 60, yeah. I don't I, yeah I mean I get that but also I just wanted to just laugh at that you know bit. May is a super I,
0: who that's, locker that's a, like you know me. May was around for that
2: I just I had know. a sudden violent flashback in 2012 give me a break
0: <laughs> last their little hearts yeah um, yeah it's it's I I. I think they are uh, immediately memorable in terms of of just how effective they are within the show Um
2: say um with ty lee real quick that she's a lot smarter than people give her credit for mm-hmm. oh really. yeah like i think she definitely plays this like bubbly character i mean she definitely is like bubbly and sweet and all that stuff but definitely she does put that up as kind of a front i think she comes seems. off
0: as ditzy and i think that's very intentional on her part
2: mm-hmm. oh absolutely i mean you see like when um you know when she azula first recruits her mm-hmm. you know like when she like basically literally threatens her you know it's a literal threat and you can kind of tell that Tylie knows that azula is threatening her even though she's like oh yeah i guess like you know i guess the universe just tries to send me a sign that i need to do this or whatever but she knew that it was azula that set the net on fire and did all that stuff yeah you know so like yeah
0: totally yeah she's you she's know? a lot more perceptive than people give credit for but i still think like in in terms of like character development i think she gets the short end of the stick just a little bit oh absolutely you know
1: yeah yeah for yeah. sure
0: but I think I think it's it is really big for her character that she was the one that that uh brought Azula down in the Boiling Rock episode that she was the one yes. that took the action to do that. I think that was monumental for her.
1: Yes, I think the juxtaposition between like the fact that she was discredited for being so ditzy and the fact that she's like this really intense fighter is a cool play on like gender stereotypes and how people really don't take yeah. like people who are really feminine are really. Seemed to be seemed to be ditzy seriously mm-hmm. but she could outfight anyone that she came across good point thank you
0: all right let's look at stats may and tylee both have a 4.75 on redeemability which is yeah again they've all they kind of did already redeem themselves but yeah i would agree mm-hmm. douchiness 2.17 okay it's a little it's that criteria specifically is kind of hard for for the pair of them but
1: yeah yeah I feel like they're on the spectrum of that. Yeah. Like, May is very douchey.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Intentionally so. Like, she knows she's doing it. Yeah. Um, And then effectiveness, 4.33. I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Totally. All right. So these last four, we're going to have some thoughts about this. Let's start with Uncle Iroh. I said a fan favorite, even though we still don't know that much about him. I remember saying we were talking about this on our like second episode, Kayla, about how we don't know a whole lot about Iroh pre Atla. Like we know the big things, we know the Dragon mm. of the West thing. Yeah, he, he supposedly killed the last dragon, and then the six hundred day siege at Bossing Like, but other than Please. that, like it's kind of gray in in when you're looking at it, it through the whole picture.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, you know, you see in one of the episodes in season one where they have like some Earth Kingdom soldiers trying to take Iroh to go have him mm-hmm. meet justice for what he's done, you know, referring to the 600 siege at Ba Sing Se. And a popular meme that I keep seeing in uh, Avatar fan groups is this, like, uh, you know, has something to do with uh, Iroh and his mm-hmm. war crimes and stuff. Like,
0: what war crimes specifically?
2: Is um, do people think that his siege of Bossing Say was a war crime? I think that's a pretty legit war strategy. I mean, did it probably lead to the suffering of probably like thousands I mean, of people. Well,
0: yeah, again, we don't know. Like,
2: but
0: uh, because it's Bossing Say, so exactly. they're outside of the wall for six hundred days. They never get in. And like I said in the last episode, like there were like the first couple like fifty days or so, they were like, "Man, this is serious." But like after that, they probably forgot that they were there. Like that's like almost two years. Like, <laughs> I I doubt it. It would have made any mm-hmm. real significant yeah. impact. I mean, maybe there was like, if I'm getting big brain about it, maybe there was like a redirection of like resources. So maybe the economy was suffering or something. But, uh, apart from that, I mean, war crime is like you know people surrendering and you kill them anyway. This was just like a yeah. a military move that did not work. You know, I don't know. <clears throat> I think I think there is something to be said about. How Iroh like mm-hmm. um still never really like uh paid for that, but he did like work to unlearn everything he learned while he was in the Fire Nation. And that's why he didn't take the throne, because he knew that he didn't want to be like Sozin or Zulon. And that's why oh o- he just let Ozai take the throne, essentially. So I don't know, I think it's interesting, but like Again, villain antagonist, he antagonist sure exactly. like he's definitely in, sometimes in the way of the gang, but I think he exists in that gray for for a little bit of the show, but after a certain point it's really hard to see him as any sort of villain antagonist even though he's tied up with Zuko and, and the Fire Nation. It really it, he's the first character that you start being like okay, well not everybody in the Fire Nation is terrible. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?
1: That's exactly what I thought when watching it, because I was like, OK, this guy's Fire Nation. Obviously, he's going to be um, against the gang. But then I yeah. moved into it and he was, number one, so pure, so incredibly pure and cute. Like, I want him to be my grandpa. Um, number two, making tea all the time, which is also super pure and cute. Um, but he he brings about this, just this moral goodness about him and like his, his whole life history. I, I mm-hmm. you will hear me say morally complicated a million times when we're talking about yes. these characters, because that is what I'm looking for in a story is moral complication. And that is, I wrote to a T is moral complication. He comes from this background of destruction and chaos, and he decides to use the power that he has honed for good yeah. and or even if he's not using it that's also for good he he chooses to to put it away for the for the sake of human lives and um he he really brings that into the way he teaches zuko how to kind of come out of his darkness and i put in the in the doc that he's the obi-wan kenobi of the avatar universe except his uh his padawan uh succeeded in keeping uh you know everyone good you know he was yes he did not turn to the dark side thankfully
0: this is why savannah (laughs) is here for stuff like that
2: thank you so
0: much i love that i love that totally absolutely
1: yes i don't know
2: i think
0: (laughs) i think even when iroh is in opposition to the gang he's still acting out of a love and and like a parental protection for zuko Like, even though I think we've talked about in a couple episodes where I think Iroh sometimes is actively working against Zuko because he knows that if Zuko does capture the Avatar and take him home, it's not going to fix everything or maybe even anything. And he's really just trying to push him to move on to a new life. Hmm. And we almost get it at the end of season two. We almost get it.
2: Oh, God. It's so... That's why season two's finale is so yep. painful. Jasmine T, Zuko! Jasmine T!
0: <laughs> it's so painful in every sense of the word, in every aspect of the story. But that's what makes the redemption arc even better, is that is that they come together at the very end and are able to forgive each other for something like that. I don't know. It's just. It's just so it's just so good it's so good oh
1: my god can we talk about that scene and i don't even remember probably the last season where iroh gets freaking ripped <laughs> in the jail <laughs> yes we, he was doing like handstand push-ups
0: like <laughs> yes bitch
1: i found,
2: I yes. found i'm oh my pretty sure god, if you look it for it there's probably an iroh prison workout video on youtube oh
1: my god <laughs> i need it i need it what's on I his like biceps. prison
0: mix like what's in his spotify playlist for working out i have the tiger i have the tiger
1: rock lobster <laughs> rock lobster keep going um um the final countdown <laughs> oh my god and uh, WAP. um Wop. <laughs> No, the the WAP Hamilton remix. Have you heard yeah.
0: that? <laughs> yes. Well, the entire Hamilton soundtrack, the entire yeah, Hamilton the soundtrack. Yeah, the whole
1: Hamilton soundtrack. That's what I work out to. Kayla has left. You know, if I worked going.
0: out, Kayla has exited the chat.
1: <laughs> Guns and Ships x Guns WAP.
0: <laughs> I just left. It. And then, like maybe one song from the Frozen soundtrack. Uh-huh. Um,
1: um, which one is it though? Love is an open door.
0: Oh I don't. God. know. Maybe uh, yeah. Into the unknown is a low key uh, a good it's a workout very song. Good song.
2: How did we get here? The uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, not. I mean, we don't we don't really have that much. I mean, like, cause he's not really an antagonist or villain. But for the sake of like keeping our theme consistent, like it was worth mentioning him. But I mean, let's look at the stats for redeemability. He gets a solid five. Everyone agreed, solid five. Oh, um good. douchiness 1.42 and effectiveness 4.63.
1: Yeah. Which is
2: yeah. Who is the one person yeah. who voted I... a two for douchiness? Because why isn't it a solid mm-hmm. one?
0: Maybe it was one of
2: the working like people from Facebook. God damn yeah. it.
1: I've I've just completed the Iroh um workout video and I would like to chat with this person.
0: <laughs> 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 All right. Prince Zuko. Uh, before we get into it. We are going to be doing a redemption arc uh, it's, episode it's gonna, for Zuko. It's gonna be a whole episode, so we can't get too deep, but we will be talking about that. I put I put here. He never one hundred percent felt like a villain to me. Like even uh, like rewatching rewatching it over the years, like it just becomes becomes more and more apparent that he is never feels like an actual real 100 villain even from the get-go because there is inherently because not only because of the scar but like the demeanor and the anger there's already like an inherent tragedy to the character and he's always being put in situations that were meant to root for him mm-hmm. like especially involving things with zhao and everything he's put
2: up against people like it's put up against people who are so much worse than him you know, like yeah. Zhao, like Azula. You know, it's that that's one of the many reasons why that works. Why his redemption arcs works so well is because he is not the worst person in this universe. Yeah. yeah. Not
1: only that, but he was being pitted against each other from a very young age, especially with Azula, their uh their kind of rivalry. Mm-hmm. That it made me angry for him because Azula always won every time. She was like the favorite. You know what You know what it
0: reminds me of? It reminds me of for all you MCU heads out there, it reminds me of Gamora and Nebula, mm-hmm, that's and Ozai thinking. being Thanos. That's a good. That's a good parallel. That's what it reminds me so. of. Like, like for sure. Like I, they were definitely pitted against each other, and I think the inferiority that Zuko inter- internalized, like, kind of got into where... Because like even when he like speaks out at that at the meeting or whatever it comes from a sense of like not being heard and 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 also like a moral sense of like he was totally against what they were proposing but again it was the thing of not being heard and the fact that he was in a meeting with his father it was just like you know it was probably the only time his father actually paid attention to him if he was in a a situation like that but i mean yeah it's just in a in a in a like a just a purely like writing standpoint, there is nothing that I, in my opinion, is ever going to top an arc like this. No,
1: absolutely not. I think too because like he came from a traditional um, kind of villain slash murderer trope, especially in like slasher films, because he comes from a background where he lost his mother. He has some some trauma there. Um, he's grown up in this in this kind of society where he can never do anything right, but then in the end he takes a turn for the better, which is something that is completely unexpected in this kind of trope. Usually you'd see this person take a turn for the worst and go down a rabbit hole, but instead he kind of picks it up, and I attribute that a lot to Iroh, but also I think Zuko just had that inside him the whole time. He just needed someone to tell him that he was worth it. Like he lost his mother a long time ago, which like. I still don't know what happened and I still would like the to answer know. in the comics. Yeah. I, I, I got a link to the comics on YouTube. I'm going to have to check that out, but I still don't know what happened. So um, we're not going to talk about that. However, um, I felt the pain of him wanting to impress his father. So deep down in my soul. Mm-hmm. And, and that whole arc is just amazing to me because he comes, like I said, from a stereotypical trope where he is not supposed to get out of this successfully.
0: And he yeah. does, yeah, definitely. Good point. Mic drop. Mic drop. I I <laughs> definitely feel like we could go on and on about his arc, but it's probably.
2: But we will have a full episode. We will. On this. We will. We yes. will. we'll get. We'll, we'll get to the nitty gritty of this stuff. Um,
0: okay. go for scores. Redupability, obviously, again, a solid five from everybody. Um, Absolutely good. A douchiness we have two point nine two, which he's uh, working on it. You know. Yeah. Even by the end, he's like he has okay. He's like I have to calm down a little bit, <laughs> and then effectiveness four point four two, which is solid. Yeah,
1: yeah, I agree. I agree with that.
0: All right, we are in the penultimate character. Let's talk about Azula. Arguably, oh, m- much more iconic than Ozai. Oh, absolutely. It's it's so much easier to see her as the big bad of the series. Just because the way the way she is in the background orchestrating everything and the, the way she like comes up in very unexpected places, especially with like the drill episode, like it she's it's I'm like that that Gaga gift, which is like beautiful, talented, amazing. But I'm also like terrifying, resilient, cunning, smart, talented, yes. never before seen, never, never be groundbreaking. Like,
2: oh, mm-hmm. love her. Yeah, love her. But also, and like, you know, especially like you said, like you said before, just popping up in random places. I remember audibly gasping when, uh, you know, it's like, oh, the Kiyoshi Warriors are here. And we're all like, yeah, we're going to see Suki again. It's like,
1: oh, shit, that's Azula. That's a Zula. We are we're the five. Earth
0: King's humble servants.
1: <laughs> that killed like, me. Mm-hmm. When I saw their eyes, I was like, you better run. Oh you better get out. I was gagged. Kill I, you. I
0: remember, like, being like nine, being like, holy shit like and have you <laughs> se- have you guys seen that compilation video of people like you know like that musical motif she has where it's just like the bell every time she comes up on screen people have put a compilation together and hearing it back to back to back to back is the funniest Probably. thing
1: <laughs> that's crazy i didn't i didn't I'll catch that at i'll all, send it but to you guys
0: i'll post it on there, our socials as well you don't know what is- you talk. talking what have you seen it kayla
2: no. The only thing I can really oh think God. of that like, has to do with, like, you know, just right of things happening is just like the Frau Bucher from uh, Young Frankenstein and like the horses whinnying in the background. I'll send it to you. It's oh. weird. It's oh. funny. Oh. It's funny. I see. I see. Yeah. It's
1: funny.
0: Yeah. But it's. So
1: there's, I just wanted to bring this up of when we're talking about videos. There's this video <laughs> of Azula during the Agni Kai and uh-huh. also Azula after, like, her last episode where she, her, her bangs are cut and she's like. Foaming at the mouth and crazed, Um, and the whole the audio is um, the transition from Chromatica two to (laughs) nine one one. It's Amazing, and I amazing. have to send it to you. But Please do. It's, it's incredible. I can never get it out of my head.
2: But like, also, like, okay. So, like, speaking of like the Agni Kai, the final Agni Kai, and all that stuff. Like, I was more so looking forward to Zuko and Azula facing off than I was oh, yeah. to Ang and the, and uh, Ozai. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I know that was a big thing that's been that's literally been built up since the first episode. But god damn it, the final Agni Kai was so satisfying to me. It was
1: amazing.
2: You know, and. Yeah.
1: If- Am, am I correct in saying that there was no music during that scene?
0: There, there was music, but it was, like, sad, mournful music. So okay. it, it, it like, throws the emotion of that scene into such sharp relief that you were, mm. like, kind of shook by it when you watch it. And I remember listening to an, uh, an interview with Jeremy Zuckerman, the composer, being like, I remember getting to the scene and having no idea how to score it. I had no idea how I was meant to, like, underscore, like, the absolute tragedy of this scene. Because it is tragic. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, this is what is interesting about Azula is that if I was watching Avatar, like, today, if it was coming out today, I would have never anticipated where Azula ends up. Like, never. Absolutely. Like, the, the, the feeling she has about her relationship to her mother... Only really comes up near the very tail end of the show, but it comes up in such a very intense and sudden way that you're kind of shook by it. But I would have never like predicted like that's where she would have ended up. Like it would have I would have just assumed that she was going to be like that till the very end. But she's
2: such a controlled character. She like has like a very like rigid control over herself and a rigid control of what others perceive of her. Yeah, Um, you know, in her own actions, but I also wanted to point out uh, Gray Delisle, who voices Azula. I mean, first of all, phenomenal job. If you ever listen to this, yeah. But also, I remember reading somewhere about how hard that scene, the, the scene, like her breakdown scene, was. Because mm. she does not go back, like, apparently she does not go back and rewatch that episode or that scene because they literally, like, oh, wow. maybe it was, like, maybe her and someone else, uh, like, someone else behind the glass in the recording studio. Like, it was a very, like, a lot of people left the room that day. Like, as in, like, they had, she wanted to be by her, so they, As like they, I don't know, what it was her decision or uh, brikes or uh, director or whatever, but it was a very, it was, like, just literally just her by her pretty much her by herself in the recording booth and maybe like one person out of it, you know, listening Damn. to what she was wow. doing. Like she went to some dark places,
1: according to what I read. So, you know I mean for that for the results she had to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like
2: Absolutely. so cr- kudos to her. Like holy crap. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. We ever Absolutely. end up getting big enough when we married like Avatar guests. She's one of the first people that I want to have on the show, you know? Oh, wow. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I want
1: to know all about <laughs> yes.
0: that. And I want to ask more about that. That sounds insanely interesting, but I, yeah, I don't know. I think Azula from a a villain standpoint is just so fucking good.
2: Phenomenal. It's so good. Take notes. Because,
0: because she plays off of literally every single character so well and highlights certain things in certain characters that we don't often see with other villains, like, especially like sort of Aang's hesitation with her or Zaka's, Saka's so- uh, Zaka? Sokka's fury with her after she mentioned Suki like it's she really is able to push any sort of button that she wants and it just makes everything a lot more interesting. Yeah.
2: Plus, like she's the one that went she went after Saka first and during the day of the Black Sun. Like she knew exactly how much Saka was a threat. You know? Oh yeah. Like because yeah, she was, totally.
0: Oh
1: my god! Oh my god! Oh my god. All I right. Like, I may not have <laughs> liked her motivations, but I always love a powerful woman. So. um kudos
0: to her kudos to her it what is that is that what is that brooklyn 99 quote it's like cool motive, still murder yep
2: yeah. it's that <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah oh i love
0: that
1: show <sighs> all
0: right princess azula redeemability 2.46 now this is weird because i know that there is some sort of redemption arc for her in the comics yeah um but not knowing that I probably would have also scored. Cause this is the thing I put redeemability because I thought it'd be interesting, but I'm also the kind of like viewer that I don't need every villain to be redeemed. Like, cause like some people are just bad people that will never learn the, uh, the, the good way, I guess I would have been, I mean, when you remember that Azula is like literally 14, That's it's so like, scary. Oh yeah. Like a redemption arc is probably in store for her, but taking that out. I mean, like, I probably would have been fine if she stayed evil and just remained that for the rest of her life
1: yeah i I haven't read any of the comics, so that is what she is in my mind. Mm-hmm. and I'm kind of okay with that because just seeing I don't know, and this isn't in a like mean way, but like seeing her struggle at the end of the series mm-hmm. kind of brought her more into focus for me. It, yeah. it wasn't a redemption, but it was like a, a glimpse into it was an understanding. She's, she's yeah, like she's not all bad. She's just very troubled, <laughs> and that's. I mean, sometimes that's all you need. Like that's all I needed to kind of round out her character. So. Yeah,
0: I just think like there, it's it's the same thing again. It's the same thing with like Hama and Katara, and Katara and Zulu are also foils of each other. I've been peddling that since the the yes the before times like literally like but it's again like but i think azula was so traumatized to the point where like i don't think she could ever become a good person i think she could have unlearned some ways of thinking but i think there was there's always going to be that darkness in her that i i think it would be very 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 difficult for her to get over which is i mean at the end of the day like sad because again she's a 14 year old girl and this is the way that she's had to deal with everything that's happened in her life by by creating this amount of control in every circumstance possible. Like, it's, it is sad at the end of the day, but yeah. I'm interested to see what they do with her once we do finally get to the comics. All right, finale time. We dun, have dun, dun. Fire Lord Ozai. I have always kind of been meh on Ozai as... A, a series villain. He's to me. He's like it's like it's like he's like campy evil, like just like hilariously unreasonably evil to the point where it's like kind of hard to take him seriously a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm. He's like Mojo Jojo from the Powerpuff Girls. You're <laughs> right. You're right. <laughs> kind of like this. He's like just this like looming figure, uh, always in the background, but he's not like up in the front, in the foreground, like Azula or, like, any of the other big characters. I really? mean, don't get
0: me wrong. I think it's cool that he remains that way until, like, the last, like, 12 episodes or something. I think it's really yes. cool the way that they, they don't show his face. But it's, like, it would... That would have been paid off a lot more if, like, his actual qualities as a villain were, like, better than what they were. Do you know what I mean? Like, because, like, once we, like, won know what he looks like which is again like the fact that he just looks like a normal dude is also like uh a very effective way of doing that mm-hmm. it's yeah. it's kind of like the uh the scene in force awakens where kylo ren takes his helmet off and he's just a normal dude mm. same thing here <laughs> like we're expecting like this gnarled old Scary. evil man but we just have like it a regular dude that is just we're evil we're
1: expecting palpatine and we get kylo exactly yeah. exactly I also
0: got to
2: say that uh, also another thing with Ozai, he literally doesn't do, I mean, yeah, he does, he does stuff, but you know, but for the sake of what I'm about to say, he doesn't do anything, as in like, he fights Aang at oh, the yeah. end, and that's it. Like, Azula yeah. conquered Ba say by herself, you know, all that stuff. He's like the Bobby Newport of, uh, you know, the, the Avatar <laughs> universe. He has never had a real job in his life. <laughs> oh, oh
0: dear <laughs> Fire Lord Ozai Has never had a real job In his life <laughs> Yeah uh, you're right he doesn't do the leg work And he, he just told Azula Go capture the avatar She's like okay I'll do that and I'll overthrow An entire government I'll um like make sure that Your I'll reach is like, like
1: avatar. I will give you second mile service <laughs> You said capture the avatar oh I thought
0: you said kill I've I I heard kill I killed him <laughs> like or Zuko he came killed way him. close
2: to killing Aang that Ozai ever did yeah yeah you know, she did kill him yeah. essentially I
0: don't then, know like, like I mean the re- the only reason he's like threatening and dangerous by the end is because he has the power up from Sozin's Comet like mm-hmm. and again like he doesn't do the legwork he doesn't seem that smart either like the whole phoenix, phoenix king at the end it's the same thing with Zhao and wanting to be the moon conqueror or whatever like the phoenix king like it's not a phase mom like yeah it's like
2: <laughs> it, oh, the retitle this episode forget forget the title of this episode called the roast of fire lord the Rose, Rose, I, like,
1: I have chosen to be perceived better than yeah, i am exactly
0: <laughs> i don't know he just it he like he just favors plans Designed to give him power, the same way Sozin did, and there's no like strategy to it. Like, like what makes you think like your brother, the Dragon of the West, couldn't get it to Bossing Say after 600 days? But if you send this drill, it's gonna work out that time. I don't.
1: That's like some like wily e. coyote logic. Exactly.
2: Right
0: like, oh exactly.
1: And he ends up getting smashed by the acme. <laughs> like (laughs) yeah the (laughs) the anvil just like falls from the
0: sky
2: and even and even grabs him by the freaking stupid goatee at the end anyway oh yeah
0: again no strategy you're going into a fight with something that people can pull on it's (laughs) man. it's like doing competitive swimming without a cap right kayla
2: yeah yeah that's just hard Mm -hmm. even when i even though i have short hair it's still hard but you know whatever. (laughs) i mean like
0: you know he's formidable i guess but again azula it just trumps him in every single way
2: yeah absolutely i still want to point out though because i'm a fan of like pointing out voice actors and stuff he is voiced by mark hamill which blew Uh my mind when i found Um, that out like
1: i love mark
2: hamill how did nickelodeon get mark hamill i don't know very carefully
0: very yeah yeah
2: i don't know magic (laughs) witchcraft i don't know but he's also he's also he's obviously we all know as luke skywalker but he's also has a lot of voice acting gigs he's well known for his role as the joker um he did play okay let's be honest if if anyone who watches the flash the trickster is literally just joker just an excuse for mark hamill to do joker in live action that's i didn't <laughs> know he
0: was in the flash
2: he was in the flash he's in season two he plays the trick how, how did
1: the cw
0: get now? fucking mark hamill
1: witchcraft i don't know man uh, maybe he's just
0: like i say yes to everything what What? no matter what it is i don't know
1: Ozai was i had power already um so he was like i said he was like looming and kind of in the background the whole time until the end um i personally wasn't as intimidated by him though as i was azula because And, I mean, I know she definitely, like, was prepared for anything. However, her hot temper caused her to be a little bit more impulsive and, therefore, more powerful, in Mm. my opinion, uh, because she was actually, like, on the ground doing things. Um, So when she shot, she didn't miss. However, when Ozai shot, he missed. He missed. He missed hard. He he missed monumentally. And that last scene in... Avatar The Last Airbender is something I will never forget in my entire life. It's something that I think and here's my uh, 50 cent word morally complicated Mm -hmm. Um, the way that Aang decides to show mercy on him is incredible.
2: Aang became the high ground.
1: Yes I (laughs) I did. I wanted to see him smash him so bad. I wanted to see him defeat it and it be over and the fact that he said no and he stopped, I think that shows a lot about, like, the air nomads mm-hmm. and about the things that he mm-hmm. learned, a lot, like, a uh, hundred years well, ago that still stuck I have, with I him. I have two
0: things to say about that. Number one being, I didn't real. I I watched the, the finale, like, recently one night. And I literally, again, I feel like I discover new things every time I watch this. I did not realize that there are multiple points in that fight where Aang decides not to go for the kill. As, like there, uh, specifically the one scene where Ozai shoots lightning at him and he has the chance to redirect it right back. But at the last moment, he just shifts it away because he doesn't want to kill him. And I think by proxy, Ozai is made more interesting because of Aang's ambivalence to kill him. Like a, he becomes more interesting because he becomes a more interesting uh, obstacle for our protagonist to get over, but inherently he is not that interesting in my opinion. And number two, I agree with the 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 big moral thing that Aang did at the end of the day. It, it while in the moment would have satisfied his moral responsibility. In the long run, it is the reason that we get Amon. Because that, like the oh Avatar being able to take away someone's yes. bending became a big thing Dude. to where people realized that was a thing and figured out ways to do it without getting it from the lion turtle. So while Aang neutralized while Aang neutralized that conflict, he created more conflict without knowing it for, his, for Korra to deal with.
1: Oh, my God. You just opened up so much Here, I, just, I took. it I just took a screenshot right of now. our reactions. To... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It was just too good to not yeah. share. Yeah. Oh, my God. Realizing that the final scene in Avatar The Last Airbender is why I'm on to the thing. And that's, <laughs> and
0: that's my thing about Korra, too. It's just it makes Avatar retroactively more interesting that way. I just... That, and it just makes Aang more interesting as a character. Wow. Because it w- it wasn't the right thing to do, maybe, but it definitely satisfied Aang's personal, moral, ethical responsibility. And whether or not that was the best yeah. thing to do is still up in the air. So, I don't know. There we go. I don't know. All right. Wow. Are we good with Fire Lord Ozai? Wow.
2: I'm I think we've thoroughly exhausted the topic of Fire Lord. All right. We roasted him, con- here we are roast the final him thoroughly. Stats. We talked about some good deep stuff. Yeah, <clears> here <throat> are the
0: final stats. For redeemability, we have a 1.42. For douchiness, 4.71. So he's tied with Long mm-hmm. Um, And effectiveness, 3.25. So he's in the middle of the road for most people, which I think is accurate.
2: I can live yeah. with it. Yeah. yeah.
0: Alright, that's our villains. That was a great discussion, oh you
2: guys almost 2 hours. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Oh my
0: god. I told I told Savannah it it like 45 minutes to an hour and here we are like
2: <laughs> almost almost an hour too. 2 <laughs> um, I'm okay with it. All right.
0: It. Let's move on to fandom corner. Now, here's here's what happened. We had an interesting theory that we were going to talk about um already in the doc, and then Savannah put this in and I was like, no, we have to talk about this for Phantom Corner. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Um, Do you want to, since you put it in Savannah, do you want to kind of lead us into this? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So um, I noticed, and I, I was watching legend of Korra um, on and off with some of my friends this summer. And we all brought up the fact that like the powers in legend of Korra are so um, advanced that it doesn't make sense that those powers advance so quickly b- between a generation, especially when that generation was um, kind of backed by a hundred years of no avatar and Aang had no like avatar mentor. So I, I just wanted to talk about like the different things, like how metal bending became a thing. I know Toph is like amazing and legendary, but the fact that metal bending became Like there was a whole school for metal bending. Um, Blood bending became a thing that like people could do more easily when in Avatar The Last Airbender, um, blood bending was a thing that only Hama could do uh, until, you know, of course she taught um, taught Katara how to do it. But then it's all, I, sorry.
0: It's okay. I'm (laughs) getting
1: ahead of myself. Um, Amon being able to take bending away so easily and so quickly within the first season um Korra and this is the one that really got me was Korra being able to transition between the avatar state and non-avatar state so quickly and without any hesitation where Aang had to work so hard to get into it um and then the um, the whole episode about Rava and um What's the other one's name? Vatu. Vatu. Rava and Vatu. Yeah. And the fact that you could just create an evil avatar out of thin air. Um, so and and another thing I wanted to mention was that like the connection to the spiritual world where Korra was more of a thrower and more of a physical fighter rather than a spiritual thinker. And um, like other characters in the series could connect to that much more easily than, than she could. And I guess you can attribute that more to them being air nomads than, um, than I guess Cora just not having the innate ability, but all, all of those things, um, combined, I, I guess are what I wanted to talk about.
0: <laughs> well, I have answers for every single one of them, except for the evil avatar thing. I'm with you. I'm still, again, still highly confused about what happened at the end of book two A a whole lot of it doesn't make sense to me, but I'll give it to you that it seemed very easy to create an evil avatar. But but so let's start. Let's go point by point. So we're talking like the so you're talking about like the the advancement of these these bending types. The way I see it is that when we get into season one of Korra, Republic City is. A, is the melting pot, has become the melting pot of the world. So there are, are all these kinds of people living in this world. And with all these different kinds of people come different um, techniques and ideas and people start to feed off of one another. And I think, so like metal bending, for example, I think the way Toph was able to tap into it very quickly speaks to her prowess and her natural talent for earth bending. But on a regular person... If they knew how to actually do it, it would take them a little longer if they didn't have that natural talent. But it could work. But like again, I felt like metal bending was not like an obvious thing to earthbenders. Like I don't think it would have ever occurred to them to try no. to bend metal until Toph w- became widely known for being the first metal bender. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, because the because the technology advanced so quickly and there was just more metal and everything and we're not doing like bamboo and everything like it becomes more widespread and everything. That's how I see the reason why metal bending has become much more popularized and like uh, widespread and accessible.
2: And also, with um, there is going to be a comic coming out, or if it hasn't come out already, about Toss Metal Bending Academy. She does straight mm. up make a metal bending academy and teaches people how to do it. Mm-hmm. But also, another thing I wanted to point out with like like Andre mentioned before the advancement of technology in Cora's time. You think there would have been some kind of uh, equivalent of Gutenberg's printing press, you know, kind of thing, you know, with like information becoming so much more widely available that people can. You know learn more about bending uh, styles and stuff like that so yeah. probably like technology the, helps with this kind yeah. of information
1: this is like the industrial revolution of like it was the, yeah okay okay i understand that's how, that. we, that's
0: how we refer we refer to it when we were talking about it on our core episode for sure okay. that it, it's definitely the but again even uh, when you have people in this world that like can create like fire and lightning with their minds like it's going to be a little quicker than our indu- industrial revolution. But um, I don't think you mentioned, but like lightning bending has also become a lot more yes. common and a lot more yeah. easier. And I, I didn't know this. I looked into it a little bit, but lightning bending apparently was only something that the fire nation Royal family would study. It was a technique wow. that was only known to them because they didn't want other people. It was just a way of, of just making the royal family more royal and uh, intimidating. Oh, cool. mm-hmm. And it became just a um a tight-knit technique until we had Fire Lord Zuko, and that's that information started to spread and like how you're supposed to do it. And people are gonna find uh, quicker ways to do it. The way Iroh taught Zuko to do it is is the very like patient methodical way of lightning bending but people are going to find shortcuts like they're going to find it might not come from the same chi paths or, or chakras so it might not be that powerful we don't see a whole lot of redirection going on in Korra like uh Mako does it at the very last episode with the spirit vines but it is a lot of like generating lightning that has become more accessible and i mean same thing with blood bending it's not it, it's maybe not that Common, it has been outlawed by Katara in Republic City. But I think it, they even say in the show that Yukon, Tarlok, and and Noah are just cosmically like very unique benders that are able to do that. And they kind of also allude to it in the show that Amon is able to take away blood, uh, take away bending with blood bending. Like he's able to permanently block chi paths that prevents people from bending. Uh, so okay.
1: I'm, I remember now. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So there, there is an an advancement. I think it's. I don't think it's too quick. I think it it is at the proper pace of what I would expect this world to be because because bending is such a vital way of life for these people. I mean, it's kind of like how fast like phones have progressed in the last like ten years. Like you think about the the iPhone in two thousand seven and the iPhone now. I know it's not the same thing, but it's like the way that has advanced very quickly is right. because we're finding new ways every day of implementing technology into our daily lives. And it's the same thing with bending. If yeah. that makes sense.
1: I don't think I ever thought about that because I, I don't see the connect between the like avatar and avatar Cora mm-hmm. because I haven't read any of the, I don't know if there are any comics in between, but I haven't read any there of the Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: Um, but they're like, as far as I know, based on what I've seen, it's not as much like it's more so like, Aang story tying up loose ends from mm. the last Airbender. Yeah, it doesn't um, get into
0: them as adults. Like it, it I would really covers, love that though. It covers the events like of a couple. Uh, it goes into like a couple more years after the yeah. events of the third season.
2: And yes, there is a comic about finding Zuko's mom. So but that that yeah. does exist. The I answers do, are I out there.
1: That. <laughs> I have to read that. I need to know. Yeah.
2: Oh God, yeah. I've just you know, I would love to have like an older gang comics, you know. Like, like just one. So I just questions. need one.
0: Like just, just one standalone comic. I think that'd be cool.
2: Or like a or like a three part or like a three parter. I'd be fine with that too. I just want some content. I'm thirsty.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we need more content for the, for this avatar podcast. Um <laughs> I so. but I so let's talk about this point you said about Korra being able to easily and quickly transition to the hour star state. Uh Kayla, I know you have feelings about this. Let me just get my input in really quickly this to me is just cora just being able to do that like literally that's my answer like mm-hmm. i i think we we don't really know the mechanics of of how the avatar state works we know ang struggled with it but that doesn't necessarily mean that every avatar struggles with it i do think like maybe it's just like a tad excessive in the way they use it in cora and it's also a little confusing how they do it in cora because sometimes when she goes into the avatar state her eyes just flash and then return to normal but she's still it's implied that she's still using the avatar state so mm-hmm. the way they've animated it is like a little contradictory but that's yeah. how i kind i think i think Korra because it is a it is spiritual but it it is also tied to uh strength mm-hmm. and power that i think Korra is able to tap into that much more than ang because ang was afraid of the power of the avatar state he was afraid of of using it and i don't yeah. think Korra was that afraid to use it
1: that makes a lot of sense. I was kind of connecting it to the sense that Korra is, in in my opinion, is not very spiritually motivated. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she's very much a, a thrower. She's very much a a a power person, um, a physical power person. So the Avatar State to me always seemed like a more spiritual approach, um, which confused me why Korra was transitioning into it so easily and Aang wasn't, but. The fact that you brought up that it also is tied to strength. And, and I mean, the Avatar state is like this ultimate physical power state. So, I mean, that makes a lot mm-hmm. of sense that Korra can transition to it more easily than Aang. Because Aang was afraid of hurting anyone.
2: Yeah. Korra's like, I'm ready to fight. Let's go.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: And I don't mean that as a bad thing. Well, think with Korra, one of the things that I think a lot of people forget when it comes to Cora is that she's literally meant to be the opposite of Aang. So while true, you know, Aang struggled with earth bending, she doesn't. Air is her struggle. Uh, And like the avatar state, like we've been talking about for the last few minutes, like that comes more easily to her. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but like going, you know, like handling spiritual things is just not her forte. You know, it's she's meant to be the exact opposite of Aang. So, you know, like maybe that kind of explains also just, you know, just story wise, maybe not lore wise, but definitely like uh, character wise. You know what I mean? That makes a lot of
1: sense. Yeah.
0: My other not so exciting answer to it is. Is maybe it's just a matter of pacing in a fight scene, like because the way the way it's it's animated, it's she really she gets into it quickly and then uses it. Where we've seen people some avatars like Roku has to like kind of meditate for a couple of seconds before he's able to get into it. I think so some, maybe sometimes just for the sake of the fight scenes pacing that that she just gets into it quickly so it doesn't it doesn't forestall or throw off the pacing. That's my like unexciting, unsexy answer for it. But
1: logistically, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and then the way you, uh, the last part, I mean, yeah, the evil avatar, I'm with you. I don't, I don't understand how that was like really easy to do. Um, and you said the way non avatars like Janora can connect to the spirit world better than Korra. Um, it, it could be a couple of things. Like maybe it's just the fact that Jonora is related to Aang mm-hmm. I don't know if if how much of that spiritual energy is like genetic, but I don't know. Like I think because the Avatar is meant to be like the bridge between both worlds that they can't inhabit one or the other too much. Like they, I mean, Korra is by the time we get to the third season, she's very uh, she's able to go into the spirit world pretty easily. But whatever Janora does with like the astral protection or anything like that, that again it seems to be like an innate ability that was like awoken in her by either just Probably events in her life or like harmonic convergence or whatever it might. If I was like
2: harmonic convergence combined with her being outside of her body for a really long period of time. Oh yeah. You know yeah. because she was trapped in the spirit world for such a long time. I think that also has something to do with it too. So. Yeah, I
1: was I was going to say that I think that that was less I think that was less about like Cora's thing because now that you've brought up the fact that they're supposed to be opposites that makes so much sense more sense to me, but I think it's to me it's less about that and more about like the fact that Jenora is an airbender and comes from Ang's line, so she learned like this spiritual process um growing up whereas Cora didn't. So Yeah.
0: Well, by I also think maybe we put like unrealistically high standards on the avatar. Because yeah, like they're you're right. they're kind of like meant to I'm not saying like you're doing that, but like Oh I, I, I am. Think, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: I think sometimes they're like, well why can't
0: Cora's the Avatar. Why can't she do this? Why can't she do that? And like avat- all avatars have their strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. You know, and for Cora it was the spiritual thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So there you go. I think it, it it just makes the world more interesting that there are people that can do things that the avatar can not or can do them better.
1: Oh yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, really? well, I hope I hope that helped you. I hope that <laughs> answered some of your questions. So
1: <laughs> yes, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you very much. I hope much. that answered oh.
2: any viewer any listener questions too. because yes. I'm pretty sure if Savannah was thinking that. I'm sure plenty of other listeners were thinking it too. Yes.
1: Oh, I have plenty of friends. We've talked about this and we didn't <laughs> understand, but like the way you described it just makes so much sense to me. So thank you so much.
2: <laughs>
0: You're, You're very welcome. <laughs> that is why we are here. <laughs> bless. All right. Yeah. All right. We're just about uh wrapping up here on this very extra long episode of Avatar Hour podcast, but it's been great. It's been so great having you, Savannah. Seriously. It's been thank so you so fun, much. Dude. It's such an so honor fun. to
1: be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, no problem. No problem. It's been really um, fun. Well, if you have any other questions like Savannah and you want them answered on the show, we want to hear from you. If you have any suggestions on topics you would like to see us discuss on the show or any comments on any of the episodes, including this one, you can email us directly at at theavatarhourpodcast.gmail.com. And if you want to uh, follow us and stay up to date on what we're doing during the week, uh, share your opinions on fandom polls or just want to know when new episodes drop, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at theavatarhourpodcast and at avatar on Twitter. And if you would like to follow us personally, you can follow me at hey it's underscore andre.
2: Find me at kayla underscore underscore gagnon. Uh, also, the Twitter is avatar hour.
0: Oh, sorry, I always do that. And Savannah, if the listeners want to see what you're up to during the week, if you feel comfortable sharing your Twitter handle, uh, what uh, what where can they find you?
1: Sure, you can find me on Twitter at sav
0: Love that. All right. They, again thank you so much for taking the time to do this
1: thank you so much it's been an honor
0: if I'm, we would love to have you back if if you want, if you want ever want to come back oh, and help just
1: us say the word <laughs> text me tweet me
0: love I that i will be there
1: <laughs> love that
0: all right guys thank you all so much for listening i'm andre
1: and i'm kayla and i'm savannah
0: goodbye everyone have a good week
1: bye